you have a person who is kind of a common thread in the tapestry of your life? Someone who just seems to kind of pop in and out um, in important times, maybe in kind of crucial, vital times in your life, a time where like you really need someone and that person just kind of shows up. Like whenever you tell your story, that person's name just kind of continues to, to pop up over and over. I've been blessed with a, with a few people like that in my life. One of them um, is, was my, my fifth grade teacher. His name was Mr. Perkins. And over the years, Mr. Perkins has popped up during some pretty significant moments in my life. One of them was when I was a fifth grader, actually entering into his class. Uh, going in to, to Mr. Perkins' class, I was very shy. I did not have a lot of self-worth. I lacked uh, self-confidence. And over that year, through a variety of things, Mr. Perkins just kind of instilled that in me. He led our fifth grade musical every year, and he cast me as King Louie. Uh, in the Jungle Book. Like, I can still sing my song to this day. If you ever want to hear it, I can do it for you. Uh, and, and he just, he would, he would do things, little things, that would just kind of draw out the person that he saw that I could be. And his influence in my life would just continue throughout the years. It seemed like as I was going through school, Mr. Perkins would always touch base, see how I was doing. It wasn't just me. He had the knack for doing it with everyone who was not just in my class, but also in other classes that he had had through the years. High school graduation, I remember Mr. Perkins being right there cheering us on to the next stage of our life. Um, after I graduated from college, uh, one of my best friends growing up, lived right next door to me, was killed in a car accident. And it was the very first funeral sermon that I preached uh, was for Zach. And Mr. Perkins was right there, comforting and consoling us. Whenever I go back to visit my hometown of Cicero, Mr. P would pop up every now and then as I'd be walking through the, the community. Stories that our friends would tell, you know, Mr. Perkins played a predominant role in them. Um, probably nothing would top a couple of years ago after mom passed away. Uh, sitting there at the funeral home for the visitation and in pops Mr. Perkins. He had driven over two hours to come to mom's funeral visitation. And I remember thinking when I was in fifth grade, like when I grow up, I want to be like Mr. P. <laughs> and like when I think about him today, I, I still kind of feel the same way. I, I want to be like Mr. Perkins when, when I grow up. I want to be there for people. I want to be consistent in their lives. I want to be part of the story, a person that God uses um, to make a difference. I hope that you have someone like that in your life, a person who's kind of a common thread. Maybe it's a teacher like, uh, like mine. Maybe it's a friend, uh, the, someone you grew up with. It could even be a family member. And the best part about people like this is that uh, oftentimes this kind of relationship, it's built in a way that even if you haven't seen that person in a while, maybe you have a friend like this, you haven't seen them for maybe a couple of years, but as soon as you get back into the same room together, it's like you didn't even miss a beat. You just pick right back up where you left off. We had the privilege of uh, staying with some friends like that in Rhode Island and New Hampshire when we went back to visit last month. And you just, you get into the room and, and you tell the same jokes and they're still funny. You have memories and things like that that you can draw from. And, and you just kind of feel at home with people that are like this. I, I think that these are gifts that God has given us, these types of relationships. And the Apostle Paul had some friends that were kind of these people to him. 
um, some people that just kind of popped up throughout uh, his ministry. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 18. If you have a Bible app that you like to use, you can go ahead and open that up. Nobody around you will assume that you're checking Facebook or anything like that. We, we all believe that you're going to your Bible app. Um, but if you do check Facebook, there's no judgment from here. Uh, Acts chapter 18. And in our text today, we are introduced to a husband-wife ministry team named Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla and Aquila are, are this couple that just kind of pop up throughout the rest of the New Testament and Paul's letters to the churches. They are woven into the tapestry of the New Testament in a way that shows us just how influential they were in the early church. And we thought that it would be fitting to close off our summer series about loving our neighbors with a couple who embodied so much of what we've been talking about over the last 10 to 11 weeks in this series. Uh, we have talked about how in order to love our neighbors well, in order to, to, to love the ones that, that we come in contact with on a regular basis, whether they be our physical next-door neighbors or the families that we come in contact with when we're dropping our kids off at school or at the park or the people that we see out in our community, in order to love people well, it, it means being present. It means being helpful and genuinely interested in, in their life, genuinely interested in what makes them afraid and what brings them joy. Loving our neighbors means being a breath of fresh air to them whenever they see us coming, because we just bring joy into their life. It means putting their own needs above our own needs. And, and all of this is demonstrated in the way that Jesus loved us. I mean, it, Jesus in this is our ultimate example of how we can love other people well. But Priscilla and Aquila really capture so much of these values that we have talked about, and so we thought it'd be fitting to close off the series with them. Another reason... Another reason we wanted to close this series is because if you've noticed, we have highlighted several women throughout this series that did amazing things in the early church. Women whom God empowered to be leaders in their communities and in their homes and in the faith. And it's interesting to note that when it comes to the couple that we're looking at today, half of the times they are mentioned, Priscilla is mentioned before Aquila. The wife is mentioned before the husband. Now, that might not seem like much, but in Jewish literature, this is significant, and it shows that Priscilla was a full partner with her husband in ministry. Like She did not dominate him, but neither did he dominate her. In other words, in the eyes of the New Testament writers, Priscilla and Aquila were equals in ministry. I think this little insight helps show the significantly changed status of women in Christianity. That without lowering men, this new faith founded in Jesus exalted women, making them equal partners in ministry and in life. And we live in a society that teaches that in order to elevate one, you must diminish the other. But Christianity, founded on the gospel, teaches us equality. That God can use anyone who has submitted themselves to him. God can use anyone who has submitted themselves to him, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, and any other label that we may want to put up that only causes division. 
So today we look at Priscilla and Aquila as an example of that equality and as an example of how we can be influential in the lives of others. And the first thing that we're going to see is that influencers surround themselves with influential people. Influencers surround themselves with influential people. If you want to influence the lives of others, whether it be your children, your family, your neighbor, maybe your one life, that person who's in your life that is not yet a follower of Jesus... It helps to surround yourself with people who are influencing you well, people who are a few steps ahead of where you are in your walk of faith and are teaching you how to live your life in that positive way. And we see this in our text today. Look at Acts chapter 18 with me, starting in verse 1. It says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. So Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. And so Priscilla and Aquila had been uprooted from their home. They had to make a new home in Corinth. When Paul arrives in Corinth... Um, He is looking for some people of peace, some people that he can begin to kind of do ministry with. And somehow or another, he comes across Priscilla and Aquila, whether it be because they shared a trade together or because word had gotten out that they were followers of Jesus. And so Paul goes and he develops this friendship with them. And uh, he begins to work his trade out of their shop. And, and what we see here is that there was a deep relationship that was formed through hours of leather work and conversation. And you have Paul, who is the greatest Christian influencer of his time, and Priscilla and Aquila got front row seats into his wisdom and knowledge of the faith. They got this, this insight knowledge to, to all of these things as they served together and worked shoulder to shoulder in the marketplace. Not only that, they got to participate in his ministry. Every Sabbath, as Paul would go to persuade Jews and Gentiles to follow Jesus. And the question that I ask myself out of this text is, am I surrounding myself with influential people? Are you surrounding yourself with influential People, not, not just people who influence you, because that can lead to maybe a dangerous place, but people that you actually want to be influenced by. Do you have people in your life who are influencing you in the right direction? Now, most of us, we won't have a Paul-type figure just drop into our office this week and say, hey, I want to kind of run my ministry out of your, your office. But we do live in a time where we can be we can find influencers anywhere and, and everywhere. Um, podcasts have become one of my favorite ways to listen to people who are further along in their uh, leadership journey, further along in their faith, and just kind of glean from their knowledge. I, I listen to podcasts regularly of you know, some, some churches whose sermons I listen to and some guys in leadership that I listen to. And I find that it, it, it helps me. These are, these are great tools to take advantage of. There's also books. Uh, I love a few weeks ago when Chance Nail uh, mentioned being influenced by a bunch of old dead guys, <laughs> authors that have long since passed away, but, but when he was new to the faith, he devoured their words that had been written down and passed along, some even through the centuries. And these men and women influenced him. 
Maybe you have a friend who's that person to you. Whoever it is, if you want to be an influencer in the life of someone else, it starts by surrounding yourself with people who are influencing you in the right direction. Second, influencers leverage their influence. Influencers leverage their influence. Now, I should go without saying that influencers influence, but that's not always the case. Like someone may have the position of influence or the ability to influence, but they don't take advantage of it because they're either too afraid to do it or they do it in the wrong way. Either way, they've lost the influence that they have. Priscilla and Aquila leveraged their influence in a way that made a difference. Look a few verses down in chapter 18 to verse 24. Luke says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so here Apollos is. He is passionate about the faith. He can teach Jesus thoroughly, but he only knew the baptism of John, John the Baptist, which was the baptism preparing the way for Jesus. He didn't know about the baptism by water of, that Jesus had initiated. And so he goes and, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So Priscilla and Aquila Listen to Apollo speak, and, and what they heard was good, but they also realized that it was incomplete. And so now they had a few options. Number one, they could ignore it and do nothing, which in this scenario, they have the influence as leaders in the church, but they decide not to use it. Option number two is that they could call him out publicly and shame him. They could stop him right in the middle of his preaching and say, no, you've got it all wrong. And they just kind of create this division and it doesn't look good for really either one. It doesn't do anybody any good. Option number three is what they did. They could pull him aside and correct him in love. And this is the way that Priscilla and Aquila chose to leverage their influence. And so in verse 27 and 28, Luke tells us that Apollos responds to the gospel and would go on to be a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. And we can all probably think of some times in our life when someone who has influence over us, whether it was a boss or a friend or a family, did not leverage that influence when maybe we deserved it. <laughs> or maybe they did it in an inappropriate way. And hopefully we can all think of times when someone had influence and they leveraged it in a way that built us up and put us on the right path. And the truth is, is that it is never enjoyable to be corrected in the moment, right? Like that is never something that, uh, that most people enjoy. But most of us can look back on times with appreciation for the person who had the boldness and the courage and the love to step out and to correct us, to, to help steer us in the right direction. One of the first times I remember this, 
was uh, when I was in fourth grade and my, my parents, I made a friend with a guy named Brian and my, friend, my parents were very concerned with the direction that they saw my life going as I started hanging around with Brian. And I remember they pulled me aside and they said, Sean, you got to choose your friends wisely because you're friends. Like you become like the people that you hang around with. And like, I didn't like to hear that, but they kind of forced that upon me. And, and there was a point in high school where my life and Brian's life took a drastic turn and I saw the wisdom in what they were talking about. My parents leveraged their influence over me in an appropriate way. Several years ago, I had a friend that uh, was an elder at the church that I was serving at in Kentucky. And he leveraged his influence on me. <laughs> I had preached a sermon and at the end of it, I said something that, that you know, looking back on it now, wasn't quite right. And it caught Bo's attention and made him realize that I had an incomplete understanding of grace. And so he came up to me after the service and he said, hey, Sean, you know, good job. But uh, that last thing that you said there, um, where is that in the Bible? I was like, oh, uh, and I was having kind of a hard time finding some references. And he goes, I'll tell you what, just I'll give you a week and then let's get together. And when you can't find it, then we can talk. (laughs) And so a week later, Bo and I got together. And over the next several months, he began to pour into me and give me a more complete understanding and picture of grace. And like, I look back on that and Bo's private correction of my understanding or lack of about grace, it changed my life. It changed my ministry. It changed my relationship with God. And so influencers surround themselves with influential people and they leverage their influence in appropriate ways. And finally, influencers put people first. If you want to be influential in someone's life, if you want to point them in a better direction, if you want to give them hope in the midst of crisis or pain, you've got to show up. Influencers become influential by consistently showing up, by being partners and standing shoulder to shoulder together. Influencers put people first because at the end of the day, presence equals influence. Presence equals influence. You cannot influence someone if you are not present in their life. So when Paul left Corinth after a few years of ministry, Priscilla and Aquila went with him to Ephesus where they hosted a church in their home. And nearly every time Paul would move, Priscilla and Aquila would pack up their business and they would go from city to city with him, starting new churches in their home and supporting his ministry through their work. And by putting people's need for Jesus first, Priscilla and Aquila became influencers in the early church. Look at what Paul writes about them at the end of his letter to the Romans, Romans 16, verses 3 through 5. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. A little bit later in our scriptures, Paul's writing back to the church in Corinth. He says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, as does the church that meets in their house. 
And notice that wherever Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila, he doesn't talk about their tent-making business. He doesn't talk about their friendship. He doesn't talk about the support that they gave him, even though all of those things were important to him. When Paul talks about Priscilla and Aquila, he talks about their partnership and the gospel and the people that they are influencing through the churches that meet in their homes. He talks about being co-workers in Christ, not in their trade, but, but co-workers in Christ and about how churches all over the world are grateful for them. And it's because Priscilla and Aquila put people first. They could have put their own comfort first. They could have put their own success or their business first. But when Paul left Corinth to go to Ephesus, they left everything to go and make the gospel known to others throughout the world. I think their decision to go had less to do with Paul and more to do with Jesus. Had less to do with Paul and more to do with Jesus. The same Jesus who was influenced by the Father to leave the throne of heaven, to take on flesh and live amongst us in the world. The same Jesus who leveraged his influence by loving the outcast and showing grace to those the world and religious people had beaten up. The same Jesus who put you and me first when he allowed himself to die a sinner's death on the cross so that we could find new life and a fresh start in him. Because they put Jesus first, they responded to the call to be influential in this world and in the lives of others. And so we're going to close today's service by sharing in communion together. Here in a moment, the servers are going to pass the trays. And in the tray, you'll find a little piece of bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken. And you'll find a cup that represents his blood that was shed for us. And Jesus left and gave everything up for you so that we could turn around and give everything up for him. And so here in this moment, let's pause and let's reflect on Jesus.
pray. God, thank you for a chance to be here today to reflect on Jesus. Reflect on his grace and his love, his mercy in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the influence that you've had in our life through him. For the power of life change that's available in the cross. Lord, I pray that our our lives will be marked by Jesus, that it'll be evident in who we are and who we are becoming. Because it is all about him. And it's all for him and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It is all about Jesus. And if you want to be influential in the lives of others, then it starts by allowing Jesus to influence your life. Letting Jesus influence who you are, who you are becoming, letting his grace and his love transform your life and flow through you to the lives of others. And Priscilla and Aquila, they lived a Jesus-influenced life, the kind of life that Jesus continues to call us to today. And so if you're here this morning and you've never laid your life down at the cross, you've never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you've never been baptized into him, We invite you today to make that decision, to come to Jesus, to follow him, to allow him to influence who you are and who you are becoming.